0: Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball.
1: Thank you for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Our podcast is brought, sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona, Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. I'm John Manuel. He is Matt Eddy on a Baseball America podcast. Matt, i got to be honest with you, I'm not sure if you can enter the code BA2017 if you're in person in Cooperstown or in Scottsdale, but that's not clear in this ad read. But it's possible you could go up there and, and, and Costanza-like kind of wink and say, Hey, BA2017. <laughs> And get the
0: discount. I'm not sure what
1: have to test that out uh, this year. Yeah,
0: I, I know someone. He, he says you'd hook me up.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, I'm mixing up my Seinfelds. I'm thinking of the one where he, where he hides the suit <laughs> in the same episode where Elaine has the mannequin that looks just like her.
0: Oh, yes. That's oh, good, yeah. He that's hides it in the store, on the store rack. Right. That's right. That's the one.
1: That's a good episode. But anyway, I digress. It's a great way to start the Baseball America podcast with John and Matt. Um, we are, that tells you how addled I am by World Baseball Classic Foo. I am a little addled by the Classic. Um, but in the midst of all this, we try to keep our eye on the ball with our minor league preview that we're working on right now. J.J. Cooper's actually out in Arizona at spring training. He was raving yesterday about Padres camp and talking to some scouts raving about the San Diego Padres young talent. Um, we also, uh, were able to keep our focus on the major league side where we usually do we talk top rookies. Do we even do a top rookies podcast? Not yet,
0: because it hasn't run online. So next week.
1: Next week, a top rookies podcast. But we, when we look at the major leagues, we like to keep it on the younger tip, on the rookies. Of course, older rookies like Uleski Guriel also <laughs> apply, or Austin Barnes, or people of that ilk. Mitch Hanager. Uh, Vince, Vince Lara, Sinisomo, our resident old guy here in the Baseball America office. So, um, but this po- article that you did, Matt, focused on 25 and under talent. And we tried to sub that into the prospect handbook, but our prospect handbook readers were not having it. They demanded their lineups back. Bring back the future lineups. The future lineups—they returned. We listened. So, the 25 and under chart, kind of, you know, instead of being in the handbook or being for all 30 teams, Matt, you took a look at the top 25 and under talent in baseball, and it's not—it's uh, not so clear cut. Even you, even were looking at it at first to narrow this down to help frame the discussion you're looking at it from a war standpoint uh, baseball reference or fan graphs or does it really matter? reference baseball reference war and the thing is that can get skewed by one uh, player uh, who's a once in a generation player
0: yeah I found that in particular with uh, Mike Trout and the Angels Manny, <laughs> Manny Machado with the Orioles and one other one that escapes my mind right now but Those two guys Francisco Lindor with the Indians that's right in all three cases you have this one tra- transcendiary player And then nobody else who's in the same league naturally,
1: right? But not even. And then the thing is with the Angels and to a lesser extent the Orioles, there's not even anybody else who's contributing. Like the Orioles at least have scope.
0: Yeah, and Dylan Bundy coming off a nice rookie year,
1: right? But the the there's no other Angels under two or twenty five and under Tyler Skaggs
0: and Cam Bedrosian. Technically, I did. (laughs) I listed Tyler Skaggs because you know he was he was good enough coming back from TJ that you could.
1: You know, I have an old issue. You could wish
0: cast into this season.
1: I have a bunch of old issues here as I was researching some Baseball America. Plus, founding editor Alan Simpson was in the office today. Simpson, eh? Anyway, I was looking at a 2009 issue, recapping our World Baseball Classic coverage that year. Because World Baseball Classic. <laughs> and Tyler Skaggs was the high school. He was the high heat, that issue. Ooh. So we had a nice Tyler Skaggs. Uh, I thought it would be easy for me to find. And... Nothing is in my office. That's even after it's been cleaned up. But Tyler Skaggs, I think yeah, there's still hope for him. But this was less um, hopeful. This was like 2,500 guys who've done something in the big leagues, or and you kind of combining that with prospect, it's a little bit trying to spin forward. Really, like you can hope that Tyler Skaggs will be an impact player. But with teams like the Dodgers and the Cubs, they have 2,500 players, Matt, who've accomplished something in the major leagues and still have upside where you can project. Even more performance for those young players in the future.
0: That's correct. And those are the top two teams on this ranking. I went back and forth a little bit, but then I decided not to overthink it. Hmm. And as per your suggestion, just don't overthink it. Go with the Cubs. The Cubs position player
1: talent really gives them the edge. And there's still projection. You were projecting a little bit on Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the guy who doesn't really have. What? A long big league track record here.
0: Well, and Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras also have short track records of being useful. Right, but those in the, guys in the major leagues.
1: If the difference to me with those guys is those guys play up the middle positions defensively, and they've shown some ability to bring some defensive value at those spots. Right. Schwarber's value is all on the bat, but he's such a, it's such a unique group, Matt. Your twenty five hundred Cubs are Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, plus. Carl Edwards Jr., brought to you by Carl Jr., is is also here. Mm-hmm. Um and then I don't even mention Albert Almora, uh potential future regulars like uh, uh Jamer Candelario, uh Mark Zagun- is it Mike or Mark? Mark Mark, Mark Zagunas, Zagunas, right. Ian Happ is having a huge spring.
0: Well these guys they get credit on the minor league side. So right. I mean that combined with those hitters you mentioned.
1: But pitcher wise, the Cubs are uh, notorious by their absence are the pitchers. The Cubs, I mean, Gerardo Concepcion, I think you said was their only twenty-five under pitcher, other than uh, CJ Edwards.
0: Yeah, JJ was mentioning the the share of innings thrown by players the Cubs signed.
1: That's it. That's what it was. It was extremely low. It was a random assortment in some ways of how they got all their pitchers. And now uh, I think Eddie Butler's twenty-five and under, and he's a reclamation project. He might be right at twenty-five. He's their latest reclamation project. He seemed like he's had a good spring. I knew he threw well yesterday in the stuff that I read online. But the Cubs, to me, the Cubs get the edge over the Dodgers because it's so you can bank on those position players. Out of those guys, I mean, like it's hard for Chris Bryant to get better, but like if mm-hmm. Schwarber, Contreras, Addison, Russell, in your mind, who has the highest ceiling of those of those guys? I mean, I know coming up through the minor leagues, the most hyped one was probably Russell. Although Baez at one point had a 70 high. I think he was a 70 high the last year he was number one, and that was after the 2013 season when Bryant also was a 70 high, but I put Baez one and and Bryant two. I think you can see how Baez has that kind of upside, but Bryant, Russell, Contreras, which one do you think has the highest upside as a major league player? That's a tough call for me.
0: I've always been a Russell fan. I I, I just think the defensive reliability – Combined with – I don't think he's tapped into his full offensive potential yet either. I think you're right about that. I know it, there's a little less pressure on him because he bats lower in the order. But, but
1: they're ceiling. This kid's I – mean, he he's already got 34 home runs. and he, mm-hmm. He's played his age 22 season. I mean, he turned 23 in January. <laughs> Take a look at it this way. I was looking through our draft notes yesterday, and we're preparing a top 100 next week and uh, like a combined high school college. I'm going through all of our notes, and there's a shortstop from – San Diego State, who's in our notes because he got off to a good start. He's two months younger than Addison Russell. (laughs) I mean, he was born in March 94. That
0: is one thing that's easy to miss with Russell. He's 22. He's
1: 20. He just turned 23. He is so young. And, you know, the improvement from one year to the next really cut the strikeout rate last year. The walk rate was higher. I know his batting average is modest, but improved on base, improved slugging, more homers. He's a money defender. Uh, He sticks out also when you look at the history of uh, I was looking at A's draft picks trying to discern trends and what a draft pick a 12th overall pick for the uh, for the athletics and just uh, You know they've had they have two trades that they wish they had back in my mind the Donaldson one and then that Samarja trade Um, but he to me Baez is the real He's the real X factor in all this for the Cubs. His tools are so loud And I don't think there's a funner player to watch play defense than Javier Baez. His hands are so spectacular. Right. And yet, 15 walks, 108 strikeouts, it's really hard to foresee him being a star player offensively, at least on a consistent basis, right?
0: Yeah, I mean... You could see some Alfonso Soriano types of seasons. I think. I think that's the way.
1: Wow, that's a great comp. Alfonso Soriano with defense would be a hell of a player.
0: <clears throat> yeah, but without the stolen bases, I don't think Baez is ever going to be a forty guy, yeah. a steal guy. But you can kind of see that in a swing a little he bit. Stole
1: twelve out of fifteen last year. He actually did steal base. Ba- nice.
0: I mean, maybe if he played for a crap
1: team, he'd go forty forty. <laughs> right, you <know>? right. So, <laughs> the, I, go ahead.
0: And it this reminds me of the conversation we had in the Southern League, and I think it was twenty fourteen when Bryant. Mm-hmm. When when Chris Bryant, Corey Seager, and Addison Russell were all in that league, and it was tough to pick a number one. I mean, in hindsight, I picked Bryant, and then I have to think in hindsight that is probably correct. You know, I think you could you can make a case for Seager, but Ooh, that's, but that's a, that's a good group, and I think I put Russell ahead of Seager.
1: I'm, I'm when, calling it up right now.
0: Which, and I wasn't really buying into the Seager's going to move off shortstop talk because people in that league liked him at that position enough.
1: You have Russell two, Seager three. Robert Stevenson, four. We have had some Robert Stevenson <laughs> defenders in the office. And talk about defenders, Carl Edwards Jr., number five. Jose Peraza, JT Real Muto, which we've always liked.
0: Always oh. got to, I always got to remember to run up the catchers who can hit.
1: You're right. and oh, Wilson athletic.
0: Contreras, the following year in the Southern League. You know,
1: it, That's a guy. I'll give uh, Cubs one of the Cubs bloggers. I'm, I, I don't mean to even use – I'm not trying to use that word disdainfully. I, I just know he covers Cubs prospects. I forget – for what outlet? His name is John Arguello. He tweeted at me the start of that Southern League season, or someone tweeted at me and at him about Wilson Contreras, and I had Contreras on the depth chart, and I had notes on him from the previous year. I do remember asking about him when I was doing the top 30, and that I don't remember exactly what the description of him was. It was like, well, yeah, he's athletic, but it just hasn't come together for him. This is a guy, again... The rare case, Matt, where I believe it was age shenanigans or something else. Wilson Contreras had been Rule 5 eligible, to use J.J.'s favorite term, from like 2010 to like 14.
0: Converted player. He he started as a third baseman.
1: Right, but I think there was something in there where his original contract was avoided. So he had been Rule 5 eligible, and he'd already reached high A, been Rule 5 eligible, but an athletic catcher, and not picked. And I remember that... That made me, that was a deciding factor of me keeping him off the top 30. He's gotten so much better. Like you said, athletic catchers you can hit. That's just a great recipe for future success. Um, the rest of your list, Jake Lamb at 9. Archie Bradley, 10. Like, Let's hold on to Archie Bradley. Aaron Blair. We liked Aaron Blair. Uh, Mike Lorenzen, Andrew Haney, Chris Reed, Kettle Marte, Micah Johnson, Scott Schebler.
0: Yeah, it kind of falls apart here.
1: Amor, Nicolino, Lively, Ben Lively. These are all big leaguers. Um, none of those guys, Almore is the only other Cub. And we have the Cubs one, Dodgers two. That Seager-Russell, if there's a rivalry, that comparison and contrast, we could see that going forward for like the next five years, Matt, because the Dodgers and the Cubs, are Cubs are one, Dodgers are two here. They both have really strong big league teams. The Dodgers' farm system is still strong. I think the Cubs' farm system is improving, but it could make a real leap forward in 2017 if – just a few of their passable of young arms have successful season. But the Thomas Hatches, the Dylan Ceases, the Oscar Mm -hmm. De La Cruzes, all these guys haven't been in full season ball. So if some of those guys go out and have success, and if Trevor Clifton makes that jump from A ball Mm -hmm. to double A, I mean, the Cubs could be a top five farm system for me because they have a true number one in Eloy Jimenez. You see that these two franchises are set up on this collision course for several years, and the Nationals, oh, yeah, you're back there somewhere. I mean, someone like the Braves or the Cardinals could interlope on this, but we should see many repeats—not many, at least. We should see at least one more repeat of the NLCS Cubs and Dodgers, shouldn't we?
0: In all likelihood, yes. You know, it's it, the playoffs being so right, so difficult to navigate. It, may, maybe first-round matchups—that's possible too. Yeah, I, the Dodgers have kind of the real wild card here with Julio Urias. You know, you have a a true. Pitcher who could be ace ace level, you know something that the the Cubs. I think most of these teams, not just the Cubs, lack.
1: I think you're right. I mean, if Julio Urias were a Cubs prospect, how much more would we or a Billy graduate? How much more would we talk about him? I mean, the Dodgers are a glamour franchise, but it feels like nothing about the Dodgers last year. Even Seager could escape the the, the gravitational pull of Vin Scully. I mean, mm. that, as good as the Dodgers were. I would love for one of these guys, Kershaw, Seager, Urias, to have a big personality and, you know, make the Dodgers a glamorous team because they, they should be. But, like, who's the big personality on that team? It's like Red Turner, you know. <laughs> um, but these guys are stars in their performance. I think it's the guy who would be the biggest star if he has a big year would be Jock Peterson, who's got two big league years under his belt and is still under 25.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: he He seems like he's almost like the outfield version in some ways of Javi Baez. I mean, do you think he can be a star at the level of an Urias or a Seager, or is he more of a next-level down player, like a Josh Reddick-type big league career?
0: Yeah, I kind of see him next-level down. I don't know about you. I, yeah, I do. I mean, the power is really nice, and the defensive metrics love his defense. And he passes the eye test.
1: That's the thing is Defensively. that he feels like he should be a star. Like he should be a Seager-caliber player. But his swing and miss issues just really haven't abated. I mean, he swung and missed less last year because he played less. I mean, he but he did improve from 2015 to 2016. I'm just not sure if somebody who swings and misses that much, who's just there's so many empty at bats with no contact. You know, yeah. the walks and strikeouts. He just seems like he's a. And I, I think he also has some platoon issues. Does he not?
0: Yeah, he's someone who can be pitched to, so you never see him as like the focal point of the of the lineup probably. But there is there a young right-handed hitter coming up with the Dodgers who would compliment
1: Seager and uh, Seager and, and Peterson going forward?
0: That's funny because they're they're cadre of double A guys, or Cody Bellinger,
1: yeah, Willie, uh, Calhoun. Willie
0: Calhoun and uh, Alex Verdugo, all left-handed batters.
1: <laughs> all, that, that's why I ask all left-handed it makes it makes the Andrew Tolls <laughs> awfully important, and made Logan Forsyth as a trade target right. vital to get a right-handed bat like that. Um, it seems like it's always going to be vitally important when you have a left-handed hitting shortstop, which they do, which is rare. as We've talked about in this office over the years. I don't even know how I feel about that. I mean, like, <laughs> Stephen Drew, for a while, really was the left-handed shortstop. And it first was brought to my attention when Reed Brignac was coming up in the minor leagues. I remember scouts saying, it's pretty weird to have a left-handed hitting shortstop. There very, really aren't that many mm-hmm. switch hitters. But it does seem like it creates a different dynamic when you have a left-handed hitting shortstop because... It's so typically a right-handed hitting position.
0: Yeah, the old Earl Weaver adage: you want the right-handed batter because you never have to feel compelled to pull your your shortstop from a game because of a, a platoon situation.
1: But you're never gonna do that for Seager, right? You,
0: so you you, even if he's good. batting third and the other manager brings in a left-hander, you're not gonna pinch it for him.
1: It's Corey Seager.
0: That's so. Th- but Peterson, that, that is the one downside.
1: But they have lefties also in center field with Peterson in this, so it's. It's really interesting that the Dodgers really don't have a big-time young right-handed bat. You know, it's, it would seem to be an, an emphasis maybe uh, for them whether it's in free agency or whatever, uh, or to try to figure out how do we get Yasiel Puig to be <laughs> to be the Yasiel Puig he should be. Because he complements that team so perfectly.
0: That's easy. You just find another non-tender player like Justin Turner to develop into a star right-handed batter. That's easy. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Why is that a problem? Number three on this list was the Red Sox. Their young core, Matt, rivals the Cubs, or could rival the Cubs, and it could rival the Dodgers as well, if they have two big ifs: Blake Swihart, Eduardo Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing iffy about Mookie Betts and. Xander Bogarts may not be a star, but he's a really good player. I don't know. I think he's a tier below this boom of young shortstops, uh, at least for me. But Mookie Betts is a super-duper star. And these, these two guys, Rodriguez and Swihart, those are the X factors for me.
0: And Andrew Benintendi is a prospect who's not really a prospect. But right. I, think, I think we know what he can do. So, I mean, you throw him in the mix, you have three, you know, top A-level hitters yeah. for the positions. Which is ridiculous. I, you know, Rodriguez misses a ton of bats, but there's some final pieces he has to, some final steps he has to take.
1: Yeah, health is one of them. He had a knee problem, if memory serves, last year that kind of cut things short. He seems like he's always been, he's he's still pretty young. I mean, yes. That's what this is all about. He feels like he's been around forever, but I remember seeing him in the fall league like four years ago. He was 20 in the fall league at the end of a long season. But he's got, he's got uh, premium stuff when he's right. This is a left-hander up to 96 with a dirty slide piece. I mean, yeah, he seems like he's got all the... And right now, the, with the Red Sox, he has to be the third-best left-hander, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, after sale and price. <laughs> and at most, he's going to be a fourth starter, and even maybe the fifth starter, considering that Steven Wright is a ex-All-Star. So that, and there's Drew Pomerantz. Too. I was going
0: to say, if Pomerantz is in the rotation, they're going to go four left-handers and a knuckleballer. That's the rotation.
1: No, no, three knuckle. Well, there's one of the right-hander, Porcello.
0: Porcello, okay. So, so, so somebody's out.
1: Probably, probably the knuckleballer. So it would be four left-handers. But he was and so Porcello good last year. When they didn't ruin his shoulder by <laughs> pinch-running him, yes, he was so good. That was a very curious decision by John Farrell to pinch-run his knuckleballer, who's like 33 or whatever, to pinch-run him. That was a very strange decision, and the Red Sox media has chewed that one up for. A good nine months. I've read way too much about <laughs> about that decision. Um And would the Red Sox rank one, Matt, if they it's had so- not traded Espinoza, Kopech, Moncada, Margo, Etcheverra, all these guys they traded? Possibly
0: because they would have the number one system, probably. Yeah, they had. They se- would have like the one, two, or three farm system in the game. It was
1: seven originally signed players in our top forty-three in the yeah. top one hundred, which yeah. is
0: epic. That's ceiling. <laughs> that is
1: ceiling. I think they would have ranked number one if they had I think so too. not traded all those guys. Because, you know, I
0: mean, they would have had one and two, right? Right. I mean, ben, Benintendi and Moncada? Yes. Yikes. So what we have here, Cubs, Dodgers, Red Sox, all successful Major League teams. And now, now That's a dividing line, I think, on this list.
1: Good call. And also three teams with virtually limitless money to spend Yes. to keep those players together. Those players, if they live up to their billing— should be the core of these teams going forward, even after they get expensive potentially. Because,
0: or at least you have the luxury—you have the luxury of
1: picking and choosing, yeah, whichever one you want. So, uh, as the guy says in in the, the Last Crusade, choose wisely. You know, <laughs> what's that guy's
0: name? He chose poorly.
1: Yeah, what is he, he's One of the uh, not, not, not knights. Knights nice, Templar. It is a knight templar. Yes, he I'm is. Say that. Yes. Only the penitent man shall ah, you pass. Could, yeah. That's my favorite line in, in that movie. I like that whole movie. Oh, yeah, That's the great. best Raiders of the Lost Ark movie for no me. No way, the first one. There's no Sean Connery in that movie. But there's, also, the there's, also, Indiana.
0: there's also no comic hijinks, like the father-son hijinks. I don't
1: know. Ah, I love, I love I, the third I, movie. I love Last Crusade. It's a strong
0: number two for me.
1: It's a very strong number two at the very least. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the better sequels yes. you're ever going to get. And we won't even talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Or but Temple of Doom.
1: Temple of Doom is horrific it really is. it's awful they got lucky to make a third movie um so.
0: <laughs> your indiana jones power making that's
1: awesome though i love it um God, i love that movie uh astros young core nationals young core these are two interesting ones to me uh matt because the astros i feel like get more attention for their young core the Nationals' young core still includes Bryce Harper.
0: I mean, is he 25 this year? He's,
1: he'll, he'll be 25 in November. Wow. November 92. Two more birthday. years
0: eligible for this list.
1: Yeah, November 92 birthday. I I, I remember his birthday. You're,
0: uh, you're not you're not obsessed with him.
1: No, it's an I, Well, he, I don't I don't mind Chewbacca, uh, but Trey Turner I'm kind of obsessed with. Yeah. And Joe Ross, that's the difference in these two. Joe Musgrove is a trade guy, but the Astros drafted Correa and McCullers in the same draft. Alex Bregman as the compensation for not signing Brady Aiken. The Nationals, two of their guys are trade trade pieces, uh, which is interesting. The Red Same Sox, trade. right? And the Red Sox have a trade piece, obviously in Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, but the rest of these are drafted or international well, signings. Well, Russell's a trade. Russell's yeah. a trade. Yeah, but they have two trade guys with the Nats. Is, was that? Was there anybody else in this list who had that many trade guys? I guess Syndergaard.
0: Syndergaard trade.
1: <clears throat> I'm looking at the rest of these. I vote. can't
0: recall. I did not break them down like that. The Phillies probably do because the phillies have rule
1: five Odubel herrera and then trade <laughs> vince velasquez um but the orioles are all their own guys so that's it really the orioles are the only only other one that aren't all native to their system the nationals stand out that trade is a pretty epic trade in terms of getting young cost-controlled talent like that it's very rare is it not
0: it cost them 25 year old steven souza i still don't understand what i don't understand that one but anyway <laughs> we love steven i loved steven souza you were never quite there. He's
1: he's he's the Mitch Han- he's a toolsier Mitch Hanniger in some ways, but, but yeah. What was the question? I was the the Nationals are rare in that way. Hmm. The Astros even though they get a little bit more attention for their for their young core. I feel the Nationals get a lot more bang for those three guys um, than the, even the, but the Astros. I, I, you know, it's hard to it's hard to look down your nose at those two infielders and in Bregman. Yeah,
0: I was I was gonna say I'm projecting a little bit here on Correa and Bregman being (laughs) I think you you know like both in the MVP race this year.
1: I think you can do that, especially
0: Correa. Yeah, yeah, because you are correct. McCullers hasn't done it for a full season. Right. Uh, Joe Musgrove is good, but I don't think he's anybody. Anybody thinks he's going to be a number one or number two type of guy.
1: JJ does. JJ loves that guy. Loves him.
0: Whereas Bryce Harper already has the MVP award in the bank a couple years ago. Right. You know, Trey Turner probably would have won Rookie of the Year if, if he was up all year.
1: I think these would have been reversed, also potentially, if the Nationals had not emptied their system this off season, which was a high-impact farm system, but made those two trades. Also, a good um, point. So that these, to me, these are very close mm-hmm. cores. Um, I'm surprised AJ Cole didn't make your uh, your Nationals list. Uh, tongue flan- planted firmly in cheek on that one. Um, he uh, he might be the most prospect fatigue prospect. In the history of the handbook draft edition.
0: <laughs> has there
1: been another draft player well, one has more books than well, him?
0: One other separator for me was Joe Ross is terrible against left-handed batters. Okay. He just has huge platoon split issues as a fastball slider guy. Okay, I mean, I think left-handed batters are hitting 300 against him for his career.
1: That's not good.
0: So I think there's serious regression potential on a pitcher like that.
1: I I, as mu- As that. good
0: as Turner and Harper are. Granted, they're very good. See, excellent, even.
1: I, I would say they're excellent. I'm a big Joe Ross guy. I like Joe Ross, but I, I was not aware of the splits. Let's
0: bring up the splits here. This I'm, is. I'm bringing up the career This is co- this is compelling radio where you we we search on websites.
1: Well, this is where you can uh, you know hit that little button on your podcast player to <laughs> play this at one and a half times the speed. I, I will say, if you play it at half the speed, that's where they get the drunk uh, the thing on Jimmy Kimmel's show where they do the drunk press conference. If you listen to JJ and I on the podcast at half speed, which we talk so fast sometimes, you have to listen to half speed. But if you listen to us at half speed, we sound it's like it's like JJ and John have been at this baseball game and had way too many beers, <laughs> and we talk really slow. Joe Ross, uh, five forty nine OPS against by right hand batters, yeah, and three hundred two, three seventy two, four forty six career for left handers career, career. Right. yeah, over three hundred twenty five at bats, so. And the strikeout to walk six to one against right handers. But he is lethal
0: against right handers. One
1: point nine to one against left handers. So yeah. he is a different pitcher yeah. against uh, same side pit hitters than he is otherwise. So that's why Matt Eddy gets the big bucks, ladies and gentlemen, because you know these things. It's pretty cool.
0: Uh stratomatic baby. That's it. You gotta know your platoon splits.
1: But that's a that's a big separator. Uh, Musgrove probably a little lower ceiling. Like if Ross figures that out, he'll be an ace. Mm-hmm. Musgrove, I think a little higher floor though, more likely to be a starter long term. If Ross can't figure that out, he goes to the bullpen. Um, Maybe,
0: or is relegated to number five. Type, yeah. on a good team,
1: that kind of thing. Which the Nationals are, and yeah. you know the Astros are compelling. I think uh, you know Francis Martez; they have the highest ranked, healthy pitching prospect in the game right now. Their farm system also is again is stronger, significantly so uh, than the Nationals. Um, so that's another separating factor, I think, between those two organizations. Go ahead.
0: Well, we can't forget thirty-three-year-old Uleski Gurriel. <laughs>
1: right. I had forgotten um, six through ten: Cardinals at six, Mets at seven, Rockies eight, the Philadelphia Phillies nine, and then the Orioles are the surprise at ten. Mm-hmm. Now, that's I wanted to start with ten with the Orioles because they're you know they're just a confounding team, and that's one of the things I like the best about the Orioles. They are unconventional by mm-hmm. twenty seventeen standards. That just makes them endlessly fascinating, to me anyway.
0: I agree. And having one of the best players in the league helps. Manny Machado, fantastic draft pick. Awesome player.
1: He's a fantastic player.
0: Jonathan Scope, a little underrated. I mean, he hits for power. He's not a – I wouldn't say he's a great offensive player, but he is an outstanding defensive player who hits for power.
1: He is a perfect manifestation of a 21st century second baseman is what he is. Yeah. He has got all kinds of power, and he can really – he's a real asset defensively at second base. If he ever has a year where he hits 290 instead of 240, mm-hmm. as Matt, as Alan Matthews would say, look out. I mean, it's going to be a big, big year for him. Uh, all Manny Machado's done. All Machado's done is hit 35 or more home runs each of the last two years. His walk rate <laughs> did regress last year significantly. His on base percentage was still pretty healthy because he hit for more average. But that guy's really doesn't good
0: he have like it. a 50 or 45 double season or something? Or?
1: Uh, 51 doubles in 2013. It's just, that's incredible. And that was as a uh, 20-year-old in the major <laughs> leagues. So where he hit 283,
0: 314, 432 with and, 51 doubles. And, you know, with the Orioles being blacked out in in, in yes. my in my home, I, I hardly know that he even exists because I can't watch him.
1: That's why you got to watch the World Baseball mm-hmm. Classic where he starts for Team Dominicana. Mm-hmm. And when Adrian Beltre can play third base, he goes to shortstop. When Beltre can't play third base, Machado goes a third and makes... Yeah, we've got a great gif on our website today of the game story from Puerto Rico's win last night against Venezuela. I mean, uh, the Dominicans win against Venezuela, where Manny Machado, you know, Brooks Robinson-esque into foul territory, making this long throw to first base. Uh, He's just, and that's the other thing, is that he is such an asset defensively. Yes. If he's a third baseman, and not to mention if he's a shortstop, where Mm -hmm. he's, if he's a shortstop, he's the best shortstop in baseball. And I know there are a lot of great shortstops in baseball, but. If he were an everyday shortstop, wouldn't you take him over Correa, Lindor, Seager? I think you have to.
0: That's an interesting discussion. Um,
1: Let's have it. (laughs) It's a podcast.
0: I hadn't thought about that.
1: If he's an everyday shortstop, I think he's the best shortstop in baseball. Okay. Third base is loaded. I don't think people think of him as the best third baseman in baseball, but I do. I think he's the Mm -hmm. best third baseman. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the, the who's the argument? Arenado?
0: Or Josh Donaldson? Josh
1: Donaldson's great. But maybe, I think this guy's better. So, I mean, he, he that, I I that just tells you how good he is.
0: Young Garvis Salarte.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's the best third baseman on Venezuela's roster, as long as it's around. Um, who interests you the most out of Phillies, Rockies, uh, New York Metropolitans, and Cardinals,
0: Matt? The Rockies, to me, are one are of the, are the more fascinating young teams in baseball. Them and the Phillies. Because so much can go right and so much can go wrong for both of these teams.
1: I, I agree, but especially for the Rockies. The yeah. Rockies seem like they're right on that razor's edge. And they've had a bad spring training with injuries to yes. Ian Desmond and Tommy Murphy. Those don't help, Matt. But hmm. I mean, and then, the, and then Chad Bettis' situation with the testicular cancer returning. But you, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you and I are both bullish on John Gray.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge Gray fan.
1: He's like a better version of Joe Ross. He's got that crazy slider, crazy good slider. He gets left-handers out a little bit I, better than Joe Ross. Does I think it. he could.
0: You know, I think a better comp would be if it clicks for him is Noah Syndergaard, with minus a few miles per hour. But you're talking about, you know, big right-hander, big velocity with a great breaking ball.
1: That is without lineup. much of
0: a change-up, but. You know, but when you does, have when you have two seventy eighty pitches,
1: that, that really doesn't matter mm-hmm. um, for him. And I, I feel like he's just one of the more overlooked players in baseball, considering just because he's he's at Coors. Mm-hmm. Um his career splits. He actually has a reverse split. He's better against left-handed batters in his career than he is against right-handed batters. Is that just fastball command, or what do you do? do you, or do you not that, really have? A, that is a unusual for a
0: for a slider for a slider oriented pitcher.
1: It's extremely unusual, and his strikeout to walk rate is better against left-handed batters, um, and he's faced more of them in his career.
0: But I think this will be the year that he'll put it together. I think what we've seen to this point is incomplete. But I think it's shaping up. I guess he's picked up a curveball to kind of change velocity perceptions rather than a changeup, so he's going with two breaking balls and a fastball. Yeah, fastball command needs to be better. There's no doubt about that.
1: To me, that's the last piece for him yeah. is if he just had – Fringe average or average major league fastball command—that guy's gonna just take off and be—I uh, believe the kids would say lit. Um, that, <laughs> and, and another thing is that some of their younger players—we
0: didn't mention the David Dahl injury that, either.
1: That, 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 that's it. They have they have high volatility guys. Their top, their young core of Story, Gray, Dahl—they're all high volatility. Story, Gray, because he's a pitcher in course field. Mm-hmm. Story because of the strikeout history. But man, that guy. Having a pretty stinking loud year last year when he got hurt.
0: And he was going to break the shortstop rookie record for home runs, which is held by?
1: Oh, doctor, you had to ask. No more Garcia Barra. Really? Yeah. I yeah. was trying to think of a Negro League rookie, like, <laughs> the States, like Ernie Banks, was not his say, or somebody it, like interesting, that. Interesting, yeah. Uh, no, but he. So, had, so it wasn't going to be a Japanese shortstop like Nakajima.
0: <laughs> had Story stayed healthy, he would have broken the record.
1: What is the record? Whatever, whatever Garcia 30?
0: Barra hit, 30. Something. I think he hit 30 1997. 30, sure.
1: sure. Um, David Dahl. I know we're both big David Dahl fans, but there is volatility there with his injury history, is there not?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And up until, like, for stretches of last season, he hadn't really been a great control of the zone kind of guy. Right. So I think there's some regression potential there. But, obviously, a great athlete who has a tremendous baseball skill that he showed last year.
1: And he is all of, he'll be 23 on opening day this year. And, uh, Definitely
0: first division left fielder, center fielder, whatever every place for them.
1: He really is. I mean, like, he's like a better version. I mean, the comp I remember getting on him as an amateur was Andy Van Slyke. Okay. And he's like a better version of Andy Van Slyke. He's like... Maybe. Well, I, I think he will be. That's. But you're right. It's not set yet. I will say this, to quote JJ, <laughs> if he clicks the way we think, I know for the next 10 years, because I probably will be here in the next 10 years... He will become the new comp for high school outfielders in the Southeast, replacing Colby Rasmus, who is the current comparison point. When you think of left-handed hitting high school outfielders from the Southeast, every stinking one of them gets compared. Austin Meadows always got compared to Colby Rasmus, and they're not anything alike. Meadows is more like David Dahl, Mm -hmm. but not the arm strength that David Dahl has, but they all get compared to Rasmus. It's just so, but it just all these cross checkers—they all saw Rasmus, but it's been so it's been 12 years of Rasmus comps. I, I mean, I've gotten them so many times for uh, college guys or high school guys in the southeast.
0: That's a great uh, column idea—just tired, worn-out player comps.
1: Uh, yeah, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. <laughs> we did. We kind of did that, but we tried to. We, and I think well, what about Pedro cross-cases?
0: Martinez for every. Six foot Latin pitcher.
1: I loved, I loved changing all of those Greg Maddox comps to Jeff Supan, Jeff Supan comps back in the day, or all the Pedro comps to Ramon Ortiz comps. That was, nice. that was default 10 years ago. I mean, like, seriously, Callis and I like formalized that in the handbook. I like year. it. So, yeah, it worked. Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that the, the Cardinals are six on this because they're six, but they feel so distant to the Cubs. Because it's Carlos Martinez, who's right. awesome, and I love him. Right. But Alex Reyes, now Hurt. I still believe in him. But Michael Walka, don't know what to think of of, of Michael Walk anymore. I
0: don't think the Cardinals do either.
1: Randall Grichuk, Colton Wong, Alimus like, Diaz, Piscotty are all 26. You don't like
0: corner off with 280 on base percentages?
1: <laughs> I tell you, he's another guy that JJ and I are so split on.
0: Gritch we're talking about. Gritchick, yeah. I
1: mean, I don't know, man. I like Randall Gritchick's tool set, but right. you do have to hit. He's he is dangerously dangerously close to Drew Stubbs territory.
0: Right. You know? I agree. It, I agree. I mean <laughs> him and Waka have, have shown it in bursts. In a, right. And if you give them credit for that, and throw in Carlos Martinez, and throw in all the twenty six year olds they have in their lineup, right. slightly outside the purview of this, but not by much. You know, Colton Wong, Stephen Piscotty. And Oledmus Diaz, everyone's favorite. Yes. They have a very young lineup that could be pretty outstanding. Well, they were last year. I mean, they hit, led the league in home runs. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, they didn't get there just because of Jed Jerko and <laughs> other, other jokers. Um, and then, of course, the Mets are, are, are number seven on this Matt, They're another team where there's some volatility. These guys, like, will the real Michael Conforto please stand up? Right. Please stand up. Please stand up as long song goes. <laughs> I mean, I believe in him. I feel like everybody believes in him as a hitter except for maybe Keith Hernandez and Terry Collins. You know?
0: <laughs> Keith Hernandez was... Comp- or I'm sorry, Ron Darling was comparing him to Don Mattingly during his rookie year, yeah.
1: Wow. He was saying,
0: this guy's swing reminds me of Don Mattingly. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Keith Hernandez, I think, is also on board. But I, th- I think Conforto will take a-, a huge step forward this year. So, again, it, it is a little projecting on him. And, I- and Wilmer Flores... Hit for power in the second half last year when he got to play every day. Uh, sans David Wright,
1: right? Which yeah. I guess uh, the Mets going to be sans David Wright this year. It seems like it's yes, just, but he,
0: they've but they've not carved out a position for Flores yet.
1: They've carved out that position for Jose Reyes, correct?
0: Yes. So there will be a they bat. chose
1: poorly. There will
0: be a bat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you can't play Duda, Lucas Duda, against left-handers.
1: See that movie's got it all. I'm I'm digressing one more time because that movie's got. Snakes. I hate snakes. Uh-huh. It's got Nazis. I hate these guys. guys. I mean like right. that's like saved on my Twitter. Like I could just I have it just tucked away over here and I could just tweet that at people left, right, and center. Um it's got the uh, we named the dog Indiana and Junior and under the pen and the man will shall pass and all those. It's got better lines than the original, doesn't it? What's the best line from the original?
0: It looks dangerous. You go first. There's that. Okay, that's a good one. Well done. (laughs) Throw me the
1: whip! Is that one also bad dates? Or is it the third (laughs) one? Bad dates. That's
0: a good one. So the presence of John Reese Davies completely overshadows Sean Connery, is what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) You've also got the, the single, the line that I probably quote the most, which is when I. Disparage someone's looks and say, "Oh, he looked like he glitzed the ark." You know, like <laughs> that's, right. so that's one of my. That's go-to right. It has lines.
0: face melting Nazis. <laughs> <Exactly>. Come on,
1: <laughs> that is one of my favorites. I mean, that, <clears throat> this is going to be gold in the comments on our Facebook page. I gotta say, on our, our, our YouTube. Uh, so let's let's put a page. poll. We will put a poll An official. There, which one better? Official BA poll. But also, best of the rest: Indians, Pirates, White Sox, alias Good Guys, the Tigers. Matt, that was the best of the rest. They were the ones that fascinated me. Because their young core is pretty good. Fulmer and Castellanos really took. I mean, Fulmer was an AL Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Castellanos finally took a big step forward. Castellanos is like if you're if you're a Mariners fan or like if you're a fan of like Mike Zadino or Dustin Ackley wherever he ever winds up, and you're hoping that a player who was rushed will finally figure it out. Nick Castellanos is your hope. And then to me, the big X factor is Daniel Norris. But boy, if they're going to be good this year, all three of those guys need to hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to be good players.
0: Yeah, it's it's easy to forget how touted Norris was as a prospect. You know, he was in the top twenty or so yes, on the top one hundred for sure. And you know, it's taken him a while to adjust to the major leagues. He's had some health concerns, but I'm very optimistic about his future. I don't know about you.
1: I'm I am optimistic about his future. He's had all kinds of obstacles in his path. He's had the trade. He had all the attention he got for living out of his van down by the river, which, you know, he kind of brought some of that on himself. Yeah. He had the cancer, it was a thyroid cancer. I think so, yeah. Um, one other thing that is a common thread between a couple of these teams, by and, the way, is And
0: Matt Boyd wasn't terrible last year either. He
1: wasn't terrible. He's a little older. He's a colored senior draft. One thing that's a common thread is how good the Blue Jays were at drafting high school pitchers. We talk about in this office a lot how Craptacular recent high school pitching drafts have been, 2013, 14, 15 high school pitching drafts. Fifteen's got some hope. Fourteen is a is a is donkey bad.
0: Remind us who that is.
1: Fourteen is Aiken, Kolick, a uh, bunch of other guys. Thirteen here. is my favorite. It's Grant Cole
0: Holmes, Cole Stewart, and uh, Trey Ball is thirteen. Correct.
1: Oochie <laughs> mama, that's not good. Those are
0: your top righty and lefty high school. Look arms. away,
1: it's fright night. But twenty ten and eleven. 2010, with picks 34 and 38, the Blue Jays take Syndergaard and Aaron Sanchez. Yeah. That might be the Cy Young Award winners of both leagues this year. Of course, not accounting for the fact that, that Clayton Kershaw is insanely good. <laughs> but that was 2010. In 2011, they, the, the Blue Jays drafted Tyler Beattie at a high school, didn't sign him. Joe Musgrove, mm. Daniel Norris, all in that same draft. Wow. You might have something here. So in two, years, well, I wrote about the this 2011 draft or 2010 draft. I wrote about the Blue Jays. Those were the years where the Blue Jays, their "quote unquote" money ball, their market inefficiency was the draft, and they decided we're going to have more scouts than anybody. And they and you would get the feedback from other teams. Like the Blue Jays are everywhere. The Blue Jays, you'd have an area scout would like a guy, and he would come in with himself and a cross checker to see this player. And the Blue Jays would have five guys there.
0: Now, if only they had communicated that to baseball ops and not traded all these guys away.
1: Well, that's the thing is, you know, they kept Sanchez, but they traded a lot of the rest of these guys away. I mean, some of them were good trades, some not so much. I mean, like, you know, they got Jay Happ from Musgrove. Hey, that's worked out. You know, Jay Happ won 20 games last year, wasn't But they had trade? to sign him as
0: a free agent to get oh, him. It well, he... was a
1: different trade, wasn't it? I'll
0: that that was it a up. complicated trade. I can't remember. I'm gonna look up Joe all Musgrove. the moving all the moving parts from that Musgrove 12 player debacle. The
1: thing is, if you look this up on the Baseball America All Time Draft Database, and you click Joe Musgrove, you go to his player page, you get the trade, the transactions and he was traded um, to the Astros for Brandon Lyon, David Carpenter, and Jay Happ. Astros also acquired Kevin Comer, other uh, New Jersey Joker, who was also drafted in that same draft. So that was he was traded for Happ. I would say both teams. Got some some value out of that because the players the Astros got also included Francisco Cordero, Ooh, Asher Woj,
0: the all-time Dominican saves leader, I think. Yeah, that's him. Francisco Cordero,
1: um, uh, Servite High and UCLA grad Ben Francisco, catcher Carlos Perez, and left-hander David Rollins and his band. So not did the same Rollins. Did
0: you thing. realize that Bartolo Colon is like ten wins away from the Dominican wins record? I did
1: realize that because I have him in my retro. School, I love that. In my retro diamond mine league.
0: He's gonna. Pa- he has a chance to pass Juan Marachal this season. Most he's, wins ever by a Dominican he's the, the pitcher. He's like
1: the Harold Baines of pitchers. He's kind of a he's a compiler. There you go. But he's a compiler. If he had been a compiler 40 years ago, he have been Don Sutton. But instead, he's he's in this era, and he wasn't as durable as Don Sutton. He is no, now. definitely not. But um, but the blue the Blue Jays had an amazing run there of of high school drafts that we just don't see. No, he, uh, other teams do. Oh, they also got Kevin Pillar in that 2011 draft in the 32nd round. So
0: you are correct, and then. I don't know if it's ironic, but they have the oldest roster in baseball now, or, that, they, or they did last year anyway.
1: That's the trades, um, and, and and they have, that's all right, Dicky for you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But they also Sanchez and Osuna, their best starting pitcher and their closer, both under 25. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit surprised the Rangers didn't rank higher on this one, Matt. But they also again have traded so many yes. guys,
0: and that and that's it. If you players signed by the Rangers, <laughs> they would be way up there because right. they have populated a lot of farm systems.
1: Yes, the Brewers and the Phillies, as you'll be reading about in recent Baseball, uh, Future Baseball America.
0: Yeah.
1: But but o- Odor and Mazzara, also, still a lot of room for growth. You have to project on both those guys. I mean, Odor, everyone's favorite sub 300 on base percentage second baseman, right? Right, exactly. And Mazzara and was good as a fr- as a rookie, but he wasn't great. He kind of tailed off. Mm-hmm. Again, you're projecting. Certainly
0: you great know. for his age.
1: How about the good guys? Yeah. Carlos Rodon and Tim Anderson are their two guys, but they they could rise up these li- this list next year.
0: For sure. Yeah. I- I don't think we've seen the best of what Rodon could do in the major leagues. Tim Anderson, off to a good start. And the farm system, of course, is now number five in baseball, thanks to some uh, two uh, very timely trades by Rick Hahn and his crew.
1: It's very uh, surprising to see the, the White Sox farm system rated highly. It's yeah. not, what, not <laughs> what they usually do. So. It,
0: it harkens back to the days of Joe Borchard and
1: John Roush. That's <laughs> right. And uh, I think
0: Matty Ginter was in that group. Joe Creedy, Matt Ginter, yeah.
1: See, that always makes me think of uh, FIFA Vendetta. Wasn't the SS guy's name, Mr. Creedy? I believe he was Mr. Oh, Creedy. It's been a long so, time. I like that movie. I can't,
0: I can't quote from that movie like I can Indiana Jones.
1: Remember, remember the 5th of November. It's, that's right. pretty much all I got there. But plus Natalie Portman, plus tools. Even when she's bald. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's, that, has, that, that merits mention as well. That tells you this podcast needs to get wrapped up. So uh, we want to remind everybody that our Facebook Lives and our podcast are all sponsored by Baseballism, which is the official off-the-field brand of baseball offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. Also, look for us on Twitter and for this upcoming Raiders of the Lost Ark poll. Which is your favorite Raiders movie? Is it Raiders of the Lost Ark or is it Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Who will not accept Temple of Doom as a legit answer, will we?
0: I think we can throw it on there. But Crystal Skull, no chance.
1: I'm not putting that one on there. I mean, like just, not, a-
0: not acknowledged as a movie. Just
1: by definition, if the bad guys aren't Nazis, it's not an Indiana Jones movie. So, And thankfully for all involved, uh, no more Han Solo in, the, in episode 8. Um, I thought that was a little bit of a stretch to bring him back at that age. I'm glad they didn't call him General Solo. This
0: is a separate podcast here. Where we it
1: kind of is.
0: Complained about movie franchises.
1: I mean, it's a good way to end the podcast. In that I mean, like, what do you expect? What are your expectations for episode eight? And would you watch a Raiders five? That's a two two question.
0: <laughs> no, not if it stars Harrison Ford. Yeah, I would not be interested in more of that storyline.
1: Maybe you would, because <laughs> that is name.
0: Yeah, she, she- Booth. Shia mm-hmm. Lebeuf. I, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, if that's JJ, he's our pronunciation expert. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, would you? What, what are your expectations for episode eight?
0: A uh, high, I- I- especially because now they won't. Well, I guess the Carrie Fisher scenes have already been filmed. I was gonna say they won't feature the old guard so much, but I, they probably will a little bit.
1: Who's your favorite new character? In, 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 well
0: BB Eight, of course. <laughs> <clears throat> How about you? Uh,
1: you know, I'm fascinated to see what they do with Finn. I'm interested to see what they do with Finn. I mean, Ray is the easy answer. She's extremely compelling, and when I watch that movie again, I get I still get chills when she. Gets the lightsaber. I mean, like, I knew it was coming. <clears throat> I know
0: my, my whole theater erupted in applause when that happened. It's
1: a great moment. They <clears throat> did that moment well. Um, but I, I'm fascinated. What are they gonna do with this guy? He's not necessarily good, right? You know? right. He was just kind of trying. I think he turned into a good character. But and Max von Sydow. What's the deal with Who him? Who
0: is this guy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> he he could be his own backstory. Uh, uh, on a 2080 scale, Rogue One was what for you? Uh, I think I put it. A, I think I put a 55 on it, but I, I think that's charitable. I want I w- it
0: to be good. I would say 45. Wa- watchable, but not in the same league as the the saga movies from four to seven.
1: I would agree, and that's fair. Seven was more of like a six, a solid six for me. Maybe it was 55. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I want to see. I want to
0: see the other ones. Yeah, I think. It, I think it's going to set up some good things that are about to happen. I'm not sure if it got all the way to a six though.
1: I'm a generous grader. To watch too many amateur too much amateur baseball i have a hard time with that with that big league grade
0: that well was, are any of the prequels not a 20 for you
1: revenge of the sith should have just been all three movies should have been what they crammed into revenge of the sith yeah if that had been split into three movies you'd have been all right but as it is that movie is like a 35 maybe maybe, maybe a 40 tops but how, you know, the, the, the OFP is just limited by the fact that Hayden Christensen is just dog crap.
0: He's very flat. <laughs> He's a very flat actor. The dialogue is brutal. The dialogue there's, is There's no sets. Brutal. It's all green screen. I the just, dialogue's totally brutal. The movie's too long. It's like two and a half hours. What oh, are, that movie's like
1: 245. What are we doing? But it's better than Phantom Menace in the second movie. It whatever is. Whatever that was. It is. is. What's that? The mean, Attack of the Clones? Yeah, something. See Attack of the Clones once again. Natalie Portman <laughs> looks fantastic in that movie. She carries the movie. She carries a couple scenes all by herself, which is good because she's in it with like a flat-headed tiger and some spider creature, and like that—that that scene's so stupid. That's a—that's tw- a Attack of the Clones is a brutal movie. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace is worse.
0: I agree with that. <laughs>
1: so the thing is, those are both twenties. Oh yeah. They, like Phantom Menace is like Johnny Damon's arm. It's like below the scale. <laughs> it's like Benji Molina's run times. It is below the 2080 scale. So, uh, whereas like, you know, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back is like a rolled as Chapman's fastball. There's like nothing bad about it. You know, it just, uh, it's just it's a fantastic it's like a 90 grade movie. It's a great yeah, movie. I mean, I, nothing I don't like about that
0: movie. So no, it's awesome.
1: All right. We had to end this on a, on a high note. Not just me talking about Natalie Portman. So, for Matt Eddie, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you in the next Baseball America podcast. So long everybody.
0: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit baseballamerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.
1: Swimsuit check, sunscreen check, phone charger check.